Have you ever wondered how do you grow a socially conscious and environmentally friendly e-commerce brand online while also making a profit? Yeah, me too. After watching my family members suffer through cancer and heart disease using products by companies that care more about profits than their customers, there must be a better way, right? That's when I discovered an emerging wave of successful, purpose-driven businesses, and I knew I needed to be a part of it. So join me as we dive into the stories behind the most inspiring brands in the world and discover the secrets on how they successfully win over the vote of their customers' wallets and grow their business online. My name is Vincent Tanyono, and welcome to the E-Commerce Speak Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the E-Commerce Speak Podcast. I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Shannon Lor, and she is the founder and CEO of Factory 45. And in 2010, uh, Shannon co-founded Our Evolution Apparel with a mission to inspire the fashion industry towards an increase in sustainability. And that was when she realized all the bad things that's going on in the industry and the lack of education of business practices. So Shannon established Factory 45 to transform the fashion industry, and she has worked with over 500 entrepreneurs in the sustainable fashion space, many of whom have launched uh, some of the most transparent supply chains in the fashion industry. And because of her advocacy for sustainability, Shannon has been named a thought leader for the future of fashion and was nominated as Woman of Note by the Wall Street Journal. So I'm super excited to have Shannon with me here today. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me, Vincent. Yeah, can you share a little bit of your story? Like, how did you get into the sustainable fashion industry? Yeah, I definitely fell into it backwards. Um, I didn't have any fashion background. I was a journalism major in college. I spent two years after I graduated, just kind of traveling around the world. And while I was bartending in Australia, I met a, another American girl who had just graduated and we became friends. And one thing led to another in which we got back to the States and decided we didn't want to start a real, get a real job. We, um, we didn't want to sit in an office. We weren't ready to do that. So we kind of joined up and said, let's start a business. And we didn't know what that would look like. We, um, <laughs> we really like our only goal was just to not have to work a real job. So it was very, very basic goal there. Um, but what happened was we went down, we started uh, designing a line of clothing that could be mixed and matched to create over a hundred different looks. It was 10 pieces. And the, the goal and idea of it was for minimalists and travelers like we were to be able to just throw uh, a few pieces of clothing in a backpack and just take it wherever you wanted to go. And so what happened was we started researching the effects of the traditional fashion industry, what it would take to start a clothing company manufacturing, suppliers, you know, the dye process, all of these things that really um, opened our eyes to what fa the fashion industry actually looks like. And it's not a pretty sight. So we decided to 
start a company that was going to be good for people and planet. And then that turned out to be a very tall order. It's not easy to start a uh, fashion brand, especially back in 2010, that -hmm. is sustainably made. But we ended up launching the highest funded fashion project in Kickstarter history. We had a, all of our materials were made from recycled or organic materials. Our entire supply chain was within a 50 mile radius. So we did accomplish that goal of setting up a sustainable and ethical supply chain. But what I realized from that experience was that it should be easier. This, this, (laughs) it took us a year and a half to launch. Like this should be easier for new designers, aspiring entrepreneurs to do this the right way from the start. Um, and that's what led me to start Factory 45, which is my current business. Um, in 2014, I launched the first ever program and since then have grown it. And we've now seen um, about 500 entrepreneurs come through the program since 2014, all with the goal of launching sustainable and ethical fashion or accessories brands. So you've worked with over 500 entrepreneurs. What would you say is like the biggest mistake that the fashion entrepreneurs make? Yeah, well, I guess the thing that I really help my entrepreneurs not make or the mistake I help them not make is oftentimes I see fashion or just is not even fashion, but entrepreneurs are so afraid to talk about their idea before they have anything to show for it. They're either afraid of copycats or they get imposter syndrome and they're worried that, oh, I don't have anything to show for this. I don't even have a sample. And they won't start talking about their idea. And my whole thing is you have to start talking about it far in advance of ever asking people to buy it. So the number one mistake I see is people not building an audience before they're ready to launch, waiting until they're ready to start selling to actually start talking about their idea. And you don't want to be in this place where you have an email list of five people, a social media following of 50 people, and you're trying to sell a physical product. So how do you overcome that uh, so-called mistake or challenge? Like they, they don't want to share the ideas. Like, do you need like a community that you trust or how does that look like? Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the things that you can do as you start to build a community. There are different ways to do that, especially now online. I say, you know, it's never been a better or easier time to start a business because you have all of these free audience building resources in front of you. You have social media, you have email marketing, you have text message marketing now, you have lives that you can do, you have YouTube. There are all these ways to get out in front of your potential customers. And so, What we start with is, you know, of course, you have to sort of build out a a bit of an ideal target customer avatar and then identify who your person is. But after you do that, I always say get a landing page up first, like just get a basic landing page up, splash page, lead page, whatever you want to call it, and start collecting email addresses, start growing your email list so that you can then nurture that email list, take them through your journey, take them through the behind the scenes, have them vote on fabric colors, have them give feedback on design ideas, whatever it is, get them involved in the process. And that's when that's what's going to start this snowball effect of people really like 
getting in on the on your idea, supporting you, and then telling their friends and being ready to support you when you are ready to launch and sell. Yeah, I love that idea of having them part of the process of the whole design process as well, right? So that they kind of like feel invested and being part of that the story of the brand. So when we set up that landing page, what would motivate that uh, a person to sign up? Yeah, you have to have an incentive, right? So it used to be that you could just put a landing page up and it could say like, uh, you could have a header and a description of what you were going to create and like coming, you know, spring 2022. No longer. There's just so much noise, so much on the market now. You just can't get away with that. So you want to create a lead magnet. This is an incentive, a freebie, some sort of opt-in offer that is directly tailored to your target customer. So a great one for fashion brands is creating a quiz. Um, People love taking quizzes, whether that is what travel destination does your does your style best fit in or whatever? That's not the wording, but you know, or what does your style say about you or whatever it is, a quiz is a really great lead magnet. So you'd have people go through the quiz and then of course they opt in with their email address to get the results. Other things are like packing checklists, um, guides. Um, They're all different, like downloadable art that you can use as a background, all different things, but you just want to identify what your customer would want, what would provide value, entertainment, inspiration, whatever it is for them, and then create something around them. Mm, Yeah. And now, now that we have already gotten their email address, just now you briefly mentioned to take them along the journey, but what, what exactly does that look like? Like what kind of content do we share in that, uh, in that email? Because that process alone can be like months or even a year, right? (laughs) So what are some of the topics that you can share? Yeah. So in Factory 45, one of the first things we do in module two of the program is a story sequence. And so we identify three key tenants or three key stories that would not, that are not only about you. This is not just about you. It's about how you connect with your customer. It's, you have to always bring it back to your customer. So figuring out a way to tell your story in a way that connects back to them. So identifying those three kind of pillars or key tenants of your story and then breaking those up into 10 stories each. So at that point, you have about 30 stories. That could take you through 30 weeks of emails if you do an email a week. Um, And again, you can sprinkle in behind the scenes. You can sprinkle in surveys to get design feedback or asking people to vote on different things. Do you like this button or this button? Do you think we should do an invisible zipper or an exposed zipper? Whatever it is. Um, I think it is this very, um, there's this melding of strategies that you can use that incorporates both sharing your story so that it connects while also getting them involved in the process. Mm-hmm. So now that we've already, already like sort of gotten them uh, involved in the process and maybe it's already like pretty much ready to launch, what are some of the important steps before like really launching the a fashion brand? Oh, there's so many. Um, we don't even have the time in the day to go through all of them. But one, one that comes to mind is uh, very high quality product photography. So once you get your samples done and you're ready to do your first lookbook or product photos, you wanna have video content, 
All of that, I would say, is one of the things where you want to invest, right? There are ways to bootstrap a million other things in your business, but with photography, it's so, so important that it is high quality photography. So that would be one of the first things is to make sure you have really, really high quality photography and videography. Um, And then really rallying your community, right? Not just your potential customers, but the people within your niche, like the, uh, the influencers, the experts, the other brands that aren't direct competitors, but complementary partners, getting them um, invested in giveaways or co-branded things that you can do together. Um, and then of course, I think anything you can do to get in front of existing audiences, other people's audiences, whether that's doing a podcast interview or writing a guest post or being on someone's YouTube channel, any way you can get in front of your niche audience, your, your target customer that already exists in someone else's sphere, um, sphere of influence is a really great way to build buzz and to make sure you have enough people in front of you when it does time come time to sell. Yeah. I really love that. Uh, that method because not only that we are also like leveraging their their trust right other people's trust uh, yes. so yeah I, I definitely love that method and you know, you know like the fashion industry is definitely like super duper competitive there are like so many brands popping up everywhere so how do yes, fashion yes. brands how can they like differentiate themselves to stay competitive yeah so this is one of the things I talk about I actually teach a workshop on this and the first thing is you have to identify your unique selling position, right? Or your unique selling point. And for fashion, especially when I see independent brands, they probably have smaller budgets. They don't have all this VC backing behind them. They're bootstrapping. There are two unique selling positions that I see are most effective. The first one is for the fashion brand to solve a problem, to solve a problem for their customer. This does not have to be like this grandiose, huge problem. Like we're not solving like world hunger or like the poverty gap, you know, it'd be great if we were, but in fashion, typically those aren't problems we're able to solve. So it's more like problems like you make, you make, uh, let's say, postpartum mothers who, you know, have an infant at home feel more beautiful when they get dressed in the morning. Or it can be something like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of past brands that have launched a hat for children who have cochlear implants because they have hearing loss. Um, That's a more tangible problem, but I think that shows like the range of problems you can solve. So that's one. And then the other one is is appealing to a target niche. So I always say, if you try to appeal to everyone, you will appeal to no one. It's so, so important that you identify a target niche and and identify those people as your customer. This is not in an exclusive way or a mean way or, you know, trying to exclude people out of it. It's more that you're going to create all of your marketing messaging, all of your branding, your colors, your fonts, your everything based on this person so that it really appeals to that person and doesn't appeal to the people who it's not for. And then, of course, you can have secondary and tertiary target markets and expand as you grow. But in the beginning, I really see that niche target market, petite women, tall women, 
women who need a range of sizes that go beyond the traditional fashion industry, whatever it is, um, those are the, the brands that I see are the most successful, either solve a problem or appeal to a target niche. Ideally, they do both. Yeah, that's, so it's either uh, solving a problem or uh, understanding really the niche and speaking the, the language of the niche. Yeah, love yes. that. And so I'm curious though, you've been in the sustainable fashion industry for like more than a decade. So what trends do you see when it comes to like sustainability and are, uh, are the consumers more conscious these days? What, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, the conversation, for sure people are more interested. In, I think back to like 2010 when I was starting and you tried to say you were starting a sustainable fashion brand and people were like, what is that? Like, those aren't even two words you would put together. It was like an oxymoron, sustainable fashion. But now it's a, it's a kind of almost like become too overused. Like you see a lot of greenwashing and, and where people aren't using sustainable fashion in the, in the right way. And it kind of has this like blase description. But um, yes, I absolutely think customers are more interested. There are so many more brands available. Um, and the trends that I'm seeing, I mean, it's really interesting because back in 2014, I was teaching this method of launching called pre-selling. And that was the only thing I taught. I test the market with a pre-sale, have your customers finance your production run for you. So you don't risk your own time and savings. Now we're seeing brands like big brands, like famous brands do pre-sales. Like that trend is becoming so much more popular. You see comedians talking about like pre-selling their own merch um, in their stand-up. So that's been really cool to see as a trend, not only, you know, to mitigate the risk for the brand and in terms of time and finances, but also from a sustainability standpoint that we don't have inventory just sitting in a warehouse or sitting in a basement that can't be sold or won't be sold. Um, so that test of the market has been really great to see. And then also on-demand manufacturing. So I'm seeing a lot more brands, again, even like well-established luxury brands shift to an on-demand manufacturing model. So the order comes in and then they make it. They're not making, you know, tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of units that then we've seen with the fast fashion brands. We saw this during the pandemic that are just sitting in a warehouse and can't be sold. Hmm, that's interesting that you mentioned about the pre-selling and the, uh, the on-demand, because I, I would think like with Amazon and things like that, people want it like right away, right? <laughs> oh, that, that, it's a really good point to bring up. Yes, absolutely. Like we are dealing with this fight against the instant gratification, right? Like Amazon, you get it, you know, yesterday <laughs> and uh, you get it so quickly. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it takes a special type of customer. Um, but I'm seeing a shift of people willing to wait, um, especially now with all the supply chain issues that have been happening across the world. Like we may have to get to a point where we start to get used to waiting again. And like, we don't get our, whatever we want from Amazon the next day. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do think there's a special segment of consumers who are willing to wait. Yeah, I, I definitely love what you're sharing. So uh, Shannon, if people want to learn more about your work or they're interested in, uh, in Fashion 45, what's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, you can go to factory45.co. That's my website. You can also find me on YouTube if you just search factory45. And then of course on Instagram at factory45co. Yep, factory45.co. I'll definitely uh, leave that in the, com- uh, in the show notes as well. So you can just easily click on it. So make sure you go and check it out. Um, Shannon, before we wrap this up, is there any final uh, takeaways that you'd like to share or any like advice or anything anything that you'd like to share that I didn't ask? Um, no, I'll just say, I think with, with the entrepreneurs listening, my advice is to always start before you're ready. So I think we so often get on our way. We have this perfection paralysis of, well, it's not the perfect time or I'm not at the perfect place or I'm not, my idea isn't perfect yet. I would say just start, start before you're ready because you're gonna regret not starting today six months from now and everything always takes longer than you think it will. Um, So don't hold back. There are things that you can do, even if your idea isn't solidified, even if you're not ready to invest in product development or other things, there are things you can do for free today. Um, And I can offer uh, my one page business plan template. Maybe we can put that in the show notes, Um, but you can just get started today. Start getting your idea on paper um, and it's just one page. It's super easy. You, long gone are the days of the 40 page business plans. You don't need that. So hopefully that's, that will be a helpful resource for everyone. Yeah, I love that. So just get started today. And I think it also comes back to what we were saying at the beginning, right? Like sharing your ideas. Once you have the idea, also share it and just get started. Yeah, yes. I definitely love the advice. And thank you so much, Shannon, for being here. I really appreciate all the sharing that you've, that you've done. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Vincent.